So, the Cinnabums Film Festival is a big, big, big deal. If you hadn't heard about it before, then you probably just, you're just an idiot. Yeah, you've just been yeah. living under a rock. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, there's Cannes, Sundance, uh, then Cinnabums Film Festival, then uh toronto then south by southwest so we're like in the middle yeah we're yeah we're right in the middle yeah still in the middle of the top tier and this is our and it's our first year so um yeah so it's uh we're yeah we're on a rookie contract so it's it's pretty impressive how we were able to ascend so far so fast it's almost too much to to handle for us uh the rapid ascension but we're we're here to to break it down. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I, yeah, yeah, I like to think of this as a um, the press conference uh, for the <laughs> film festival. <laughs> yeah, really. Uh, and uh, yeah, I mean, we got we got four four movies from the film festival that we uh, that we'll be breaking down here. But, uh, yeah, I guess, I guess how did the, how did the film festival really start? You know, we want, I think we had some like big plans <laughs> for this like multi-day yeah. film festival, but, um, yeah, it turned out to be a little more short and sweet, but it was a little shorter. Yeah. Cause, uh, life gets in the way sometimes. Uh, yeah. but, uh, yeah, we mainly decided to do it because, uh, John lives in the Bay Area, and I live in the Chicago area, and uh, uh, for once we were in the same area, so <laughs> we were like, let's watch some movies together, and it'll be our fil- our little Cinnabums film festival, and uh, yeah, that's what we did. Um, you know, I watched them all in my parents' basement, so uh, pretty... <laughs> It couldn't have picked a better location. What really. a theater, really! Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, and, and we got you know, John got to see my uh, my brother Jake's movie collection, um, yes. and uh, we spent you know, at one point, like forty minutes, maybe even longer, uh, scrolling on uh, HBO Max. Uh, you know, that was my favorite just... part. Of the <laughs> <laughs> just looking for movies just looking at uh, titles of movies to watch yeah yeah and now we have even a bigger watch list than we did before uh yeah. and uh we could probably talk longer um about the movies uh that we didn't watch uh <laughs> more than the movies we did because <laughs> we had so many we wanted to watch that's yeah. for sure i had to i had to step out of the closet because out of, out of the out of Jake's movie closet. <laughs> uh, let me clarify. And uh, I just I, it was just so overwhelming. The, oh yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. My uh, our movie closet here in the basement is uh, it's a little. It's like the the Criterion closet of Glen Ellen, Illinois. You could yeah. say it rivals the the Criterion closet. I I almost left with a bag full of Jake's movies, but I remember that's not how it works. <laughs> at the, <laughs> at uh, Jake's closet. <laughs> uh, yeah, but uh, yeah, this is the first time we had uh, actually seen movies in the same room. Yeah, pretty much since the Denver Film Festival. Pretty much. Yeah, yeah. So it was an interesting, uh, interesting. It was very adventurous for us. Monumental. Uh, yeah, time. monumental. Um, and so we ended up watching four. Yeah, we got four. <laughs> and it sounds like uh really underwhelming when we put when you put it that way, but um Yeah. Come here. It's four uh four <laughs> come here. <laughs> I got a whiny dog in my hands. So, so yeah, man. some context, a little a little context on that. Yeah, there's a dog in John's room. <laughs> yeah, we have uh, our producer, the podcast producer, Madison yeah. is in here and she's whining about uh about me being too boring on the podcast because we're so. very unorganized so we need someone <laughs> with little brains to yeah yeah we, we need a, a little chubby pit bull over here to <laughs> keep us in line yeah but you know i was thinking luke is that we have we had four movies but i feel like um, they're all very different <laughs> i feel like they're very different 
but similar <laughs> in some ways. You know, we have okay. we have two that we watched back to back, which are uh, both very weird and crazy movies. Yeah. And then we had another two, which are kind of, uh, which are like polar opposites. One is Marathon Man, where it's very, yeah. you know, it's it's fast paced, intense, gritty, seventies. Yeah. And then and then Driving Miss Daisy, which is also uh, about you know moving, but it's much more tame and, and low key. So it, yeah. yeah, it's like we have polar opposites for that for that double feature. Totally. Too. Totally. Um, so should we go in chronological? Yeah. Order. Yeah, okay. let's go in chronological. Let's start with opening night. Opening night. The opening night red carpet. Yes. Yeah. So after some, after we poured ourselves a couple cocktails, we uh, <laughs> put on uh, a classic '90s comedy. Uh, one that jump-started the career of the monster that is uh, Jim Carrey. Uh, we decided to start off with Ace Ventura. Ace Ventura, Pet Detective, yeah. Yeah, and the whole point of this night was um, we were going to do a second night of this. Is We were going to do a Carrey-Lynch duo um, <laughs> for the first night. So it was Ace Ventura to start and then uh, Mulholland Drive after that. Yeah, some, uh, some very strange, uh, surreal films that uh, that pair well with each other, like Ace yeah. Ventura and uh, Mulholland Drive. Yeah, one th- one is through a very much a a performance. It's kind of surreal, and another is through just a very focused, controlled direction. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and you know, there's like a people on youtube will make cuts of like comedy movies will make them see seem very uh like intense and terrifying mm. like a horror movie i feel like there's got to be one of those cuts of ace ventura like a movie trailer of ace ventura but as that's a road a movie. i need to go down is that exact genre of youtube videos I feel, yeah i feel like there's like a mrs doubtfire one where it's uh yeah it's a mrs doubtfire horror movie trailer <laughs> Uh, yeah, and I just feel like there's got to be something similar for Ace Ventura at this point. There's a short film uh, that someone made where they take like all the scenes of Seinfeld where they're, I think, just sitting there, not saying anything, or something <laughs> like that, and they and it, it becomes like a really thriller, like existential short film. Um, and I've been meaning to see that for a while. Oh yeah, I should watch that. <laughs> yeah, there's <laughs> there's videos of uh yeah, like um the show Friends without the laugh track and then yeah, this like yeah. haunting music underneath it. That's yeah, it's <laughs> it's it works really well actually. It's a it's a horror movie. Yeah, uh, cuz Friends yeah. is really weird. Yeah, and especially <laughs> without the laugh track. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um yeah, and and Ace Ventura like that doesn't have a laugh track. Um, yes. So I think it, you could definitely interpret this as a a very creepy, uh, strange movie. Um, definitely leading to a lot of the creepy, strange roles that he did over the next few years, being uh, like the Riddler and the Mask, the Masked Man, or whatever he's called in that. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, both. Both uh, early mid '90s movies where Jim Carrey is at his Jim Carreyist, yeah, yeah. And I rewatched The Mask like a few years ago, and I love The Mask. I really, oh, yeah. I, I think The Mask is awesome. Me too. I, I still am. Uh, so I guess for context, I mean, Ace Ventura is definitely my favorite movie growing up. <laughs> You've seen it a <laughs> lot more than me. I can tell. I I, I probably up until like college i had seen it at least like three times a year and uh it's one of those that i every time i was with together with my cousins like every christmas it's not a christmas movie but we would just watch ace ventura and uh and then do the annoying thing that young that young (laughs) boys do and just quote it constantly you uh talk with your butt (laughs) yeah yeah talk with our asses i think that's uh you know i can look back on like memories of a kid and i don't 
I don't know if I ever really had any normal conversations with my cousins back then or if we just talked in Ace Ventura characters <laughs> to each other. <laughs> That's um, me and uh, my cousins through, uh, like, a lot of comedies, mostly mm-hmm. mostly stepbrothers. Oh, uh, stepbrothers, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's another another very quotable one. And I actually really re- I recently this past week I rewatched Step Brothers and uh what's what's I've seen it probably, you know, the amount of times you've probably seen Ace Ventura and it's it's funny when you see a comedy that many times uh like I don't know, trying to like keep finding new ways of watching it cuz eventually it, it, you know, eventually it's not always it's not always going to be that incredible laugh out loud fest that yeah. it was, you know. So, yeah, especially after seeing it that many times. But Step Brothers is for sure uh, one of those movies where when I saw it in the theaters, it's just the entire place is like going bonkers. Exactly, everyone is bouncing off the walls. Just uh, you know, like I felt like the theater is like shaking with laughter. Yeah, for um, oh yeah, for sure. Yeah, but then yeah, since then yeah, you know you know when things are coming, so it's not yeah, there's not as much laugh out loud funny, but it's still it, uh, yeah, I've, that's one of those classic, classic comedies. Yeah, it, yeah. like Ace Ventura, it's uh, becomes part of the culture to the point where people, you know, from across the state can recite the lines to each other and they'll you know find common ground from knowing the same bids. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I mean Ace Ventura just having a uh, his profession as a pet detective is already you know like goofy enough. And sometimes when I think back on it, like oh this is like seems like a kids movie. Uh, but then when you when you rewatch it, you're like <laughs> yeah, Whoa, then there's all the like not... sex and shit. <laughs> yeah, there's a ton of sex. Like even yeah. in like the first you know ten minutes. Yeah, a lot uh, of adult uh, humor for sure. Yeah. But I, I think it, the reason he you know, he still appeals to young kids is just Jim Carrey is like this master of physical comedy. Yeah, because he's and, like kicking a box across the hallway to start a movie. It's yeah. <laughs> it's it's the best. And yeah, and just everything he says is like some. Uh, he, he's just such a character that every you know every line he has yeah. is like a yeah is a quotable line for <laughs> yeah. kids to just repeat. Yeah. Yeah, and he's just in a. He's just in a different world than everybody else in this movie. Mm-hmm. Like watch it you could tell like a lot of the performances I, I like it's probably one of my only quarrels with the movie is that I can tell a lot of the other actors don't know what to do around Jim Carrey because he is yeah. so odd and doing his own thing. Um and it makes this very much a one-man show, and a lot of like the scenes, like say with Courtney Cox, especially, are very um, awkward. Yes, especially because at the beginning she is like, she's like, "What is up with this guy? This guy is <laughs> an alien," which he really seems like he an really alien. is. Yeah, and then yeah, and then there's like a a couple scenes where they have more grounded and uh and real conversations with each other uh, and you know all of a sudden they're you know they're like deeply in love uh <laughs> but it's still it, it just doesn't really it doesn't yeah, they, really work they become fuck buddies that's for sure yeah yeah and uh yeah it's it's definitely super awkward because everyone is very much just like a normal regular person um i guess except for maybe lois einhorn and Sure. Uh, maybe she's the only one that's also a little crazy um well clearly crazy but uh yeah it's uh it's just yeah it's just weird because everyone uh sort of reacts to him as if he is not a mentally ill person <laughs> when he really seems like he even you know uh when he's just you know doing his job he actually like does some good like pet detective work nobody's like questioning like shouldn't this guy be in uh like a home or something <laughs> john i just think, need like, to oh, turn on ace. my fan real quick I oh, yeah go for boiling it boiling in here <laughs> go for it Whew. 
Oh yeah, you're you're glistening. That's uh, that's better. <laughs> <laughs> All right, yeah. So, uh, I I guess the one other thing I wanted to like say about that too is, there there are those like small moments when he's talking with Courtney Cox where he's, uh, he seems like he is, he is a bit of a human. Like there are some human qualities to him. <laughs> but in in Ace Ventura, when nature calls, the the second ace ventura that comes out a year after this movie they went completely completely crazy and he in that movie he loses all his human qualities and he is for sure an alien from outer space there's uh it's it honestly ace ventura when nature calls was maybe actually i might have preferred that to the first one growing up um just because it's just constant constant jokes and quotes and uh <laughs> and these random and, and ace ventura also has these random pop culture references mm. uh which is weird because it's like when does this guy watch just like sit down and watch tv like he's so <laughs> weird and he's surrounded by all these animals all the time but then he has he also <laughs> like he goes like hi captain steubing how are gopher and doc like he yeah. he makes all these weird references to pop culture uh that as if this guy like in his spare time when he's not doing pet detective work he's just like a cinephile or uh (laughs) just like an avid tv watcher uh yeah it's just it's very it's just a very odd comedy that would never never work today no i mean yeah i i definitely felt fell for the sequel trope as a kid i always was like the Mm -hmm. second one's always better you know just because it's you know it's the nostalgia of uh they're back you know the world Mm -hmm. is back and it's you know i fell into the marketing scheme that it's like it's back and better than ever you know like (laughs) like t2's better right empire strikes back is better right (laughs) Uh, Mm -hmm. so's uh you know like like cheaper by the dozen twos better than cheaper by the dozen one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, personally, I'm I'm still a fan of the original cheaper by the dozen. Oh, know? for sure. Yeah. That, that's a it's offensive to say the sequel is better. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, it, it it actually is if you actually think that. <laughs> yeah. Uh. Yeah. I mean, it's uh in, in, with the Ace Ventura, um, saga. I guess you call it. They definitely take the the ace venturiness up to the upteenth degree uh but uh yeah i mean for me for me the uh, the original ace ventura still uh holds up to my nostalgic values but uh definitely uh, watching it um as as an adult as opposed to a child it's really eye-opening too <laughs> i i told you this uh quote um before we started the film it was like i was watching jim carrey on on howard stern and they're talking about uh the bit of the the ass talking bid um <laughs> which actually goes on in the film for so long like i can't believe how long he does it in front of that poor african-american's desk um yeah tone look um and yeah. I think Jim Carrey, um, after Howard talks about like what a brilliant bid, Jim Carrey goes like, yeah, I mean we were uh, we were just going for it either like this is gonna work or our careers are all over <laughs> or something like, <laughs> something like of that nature and um, yeah, you could definitely see that the film is very much uh, uh, going for it like going for a specific kind of humor that they think. Uh, that they think is going to work and it, it is like the type of humor that um you're either going to love it uh or hate it yeah or or definitely. you know be or love it and be weirded out by it which is kind of kind of where i stand mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah and uh, i really think that uh i think like i think you mentioned this but like jim carrey carries this whole thing and i think if it were anyone else it, this wouldn't wouldn't work uh even yeah even in the slightest yeah um, and yeah. i want to pre- preface that take by like saying um if if you actually listen uh to this podcast uh you will know that i watch a lot of weird comedies 
um, <laughs> a lot of weird comedies, and I and I'm you know I'm into weird comedies. Like I like you know Farrelly Brothers, like the Heartbreak Kid and shit like yeah, that. Yeah, we just and talked about that. I yeah. love a lot of weird comedies, and still though, Ace Ventura to me, um, really like really was weirding me out and i can i do the weird com i do the weird comedies but ace ventura might be one of the weirdest ones i've ever seen for sure one of yeah. the weirder ones that also i say you know that definitely works um because i think mm-hmm. a lot of the weird comedies i watch um are weird because they aren't really working <laughs> yeah definitely yeah i think it, it uh it's different than so it's what makes ace ventura kid, unique yeah. For sure. Yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know, I don't know much, much more to say about about Ace Ventura, but uh, I feel like if if this is one you haven't seen since you were younger, that you you it deserves a, a rewatch now, and uh, <laughs> yeah, you can see see if you still if you still have those nostalgic feelings for it, or if you're just way too weirded out by mm. by this, yeah. All right, that's movie uh, number yeah. one. Uh, move after this, we took a quick basketball break. Yes, but then it was it was right into Mulholland Drive. <laughs> Jumped right back in. Yeah, yeah, we needed a, just a, a small break before we got into this, and we were debating whether we should start with Mulholland Drive. Yeah, or, or finish a, with and it. end yeah. with Ace Ventura. Either way, I think it would have ended in a uh somewhat dark weird fashion yeah at the end we still would have been like whoa okay the mulholland <laughs> yeah. drive is uh uh very definitely objectively the scarier uh movie um because when this film ended we were kind of like whoa <laughs> you know we're yeah we're like jesus <laughs> don't really know what to say right now yeah mm-hmm. need, need to let this sit and I, um, we've we had both seen this movie once or twice before, right? Mm-hmm. I'd I'd seen it. This is my second time, so yeah, this was my third time. Third, yeah. So it wasn't uh, as terrifying as I remember because I I could prepare myself a little bit. Yeah. But at the same time, it's it's one of those uh, that I like walk away from and. It's, I'm still like a little disturbed by uh, <laughs> by what I just saw. Yeah, but yeah. also in in a good way. Yeah, and we're both kind of uh, somewhat seasoned lynch lynch heads. Um, mm-hmm. Like we've you've seen almost you've you've got you've seen the first part of Twin Peaks. I've seen all of it. Um, mm-hmm. We've both seen Inland Empire. Um, and I think this is the only lynch that I have seen multiple times now oh okay which nice. is kind of a, a travesty but uh yeah what i usually you know, hear about this head, movie is that um it's like the more one of the more accessible ones maholland drive yeah i would agree with that and but uh, the thing is what frustrates me about that is like i still don't like fully like understand maholland drive <laughs> No, and I've seen it three times, and I'm definitely I've definitely made a lot of progress, but I still feel like um, I need to watch it just one more time, uh, yeah. in order to fully grasp it. Yeah, I, I definitely it's definitely one that I still have to just think about for a long time to really comprehend what what all just happened, uh, and even you know when it takes sort of a big turn uh in that final act it's still you're still sitting there a while with um sort of how these characters dynamics just completely change and you're still trying to figure it all out then as Mm -hmm. it's happening and then you know yeah i mean even when the when the movie's over um there's still so much to digest yeah and and i think it's one of those two where uh like every person uh, that you meet along the way holds some significance to like the horror that eventually unfolds. So you kind of have mm-hmm. to remember all those interactions, 
yeah. um, and how everything goes down. And I think it's one of those where you, when I think, especially when we rewatch this film again, um, from the very beginning, knowing how the film turns out, like everything is going to be even more horrifying um, from like act one. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, it's one of those that the more you think about everything that happened, the more it almost confuses you or scares you a bit yeah. too because yeah at the end of thinking like oh yeah wait the guy that seems like for like forever ago the guy um in the you know in the office who uh spoilers but uh he ends up shooting um the other guy he's talking to and then shooting through the wall you know like by the end of the movie i'd almost completely forgotten about that happening and then i'd forgotten about the uh the two guys in the diner talking so there's so much that yeah you have to sort of call back to yeah uh, which will either yeah confuse you more or uh or scare you more but, yeah <laughs> yeah and, and the fact that they bring uh the film brings back this is a, a very much a spoiler Mulholland drive uh 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 just episode <laughs> um but <laughs> um i i don't think uh i don't think like spoiling the plot ruins any lynch movie um at all but i think bringing back the the kind couple that uh naomi watts meets uh you know on the airplane (laughs) uh is like it's not only unexpected because that's like a scene you think you're like oh this is just you know like a you know like a goofy you know stereotypical thing to have and that she's you know uh, she meets them and you know she she's like they're like good luck in Hollywood and blah 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 and then you know the fact that they comes back and that's and, and that's the terrify the last big scare in the film um, you know after kind of the film does its whole play on uh, you know Bergman's persona um, is that's definitely something you won't expect and I think it's one of those things where when you go back to the airport um, when you rewatch this film, that's that scene's gonna be much more creepy than it is uh, funny. Oh, yeah. you know what I mean? Like the corniness will be much more creepy, as like you kind of the movie's kind of what it's doing is uh, uh, Naomi Watts's character is kind of entering this, um, as she says later, this dream this dreamland, and it's not the dreamland that most people consider L.A. Lynch is kind of taking it as a as a L- la using la as a as the scariest place on earth basically yeah. and using the tropes of um the entertainment business and uh uh just all the ways the town works as a place for uh great horror as he does in like inland empire as well which yeah, i love i yeah. love that stuff yeah i'm glad you brought that up because it definitely yeah it kind of goes from this dreamy like optimistic seemingly uh tone very quickly to a, a nightmare and uh and yeah I, I mean you brought up the those two older people in the airport too and we were like laughing at them uh in the beginning <laughs> yeah, you know yeah. it's like these like this is so goofy these are like ridiculous characters yeah this is way it, over it's kind of like the beginning of blue velvet like a lot of the dialogue that kyle mm-hmm. mclaughlin and Laura Dern have is is so ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and then it, uh, yeah, or even like you know, Twin Peaks at times it feels like a a soap opera. Um, but exactly. It's, it's, yeah, but it's, it's very, um. So if you know like the definitely the season one of Twin Peaks, if you've just seen that, you'll get that soap opera like dialogue that Lynch has, yeah. which I didn't get the first time I saw Mulholland Drive at all because I hadn't, I wasn't used to that sort of thing same yeah yeah it's actually yeah it's good to rewatch this now that i've yeah i've been more seasoned on uh on david lynch because then yeah in the end it's it you know those those two old people are acting the exact same word same way they were in the beginning but the tone is completely different and uh yeah it's that's one of the scariest parts uh yeah yeah but uh, I still, I mean, this, yeah, this is one that I, I'll never, I don't think I'll ever get uh, to a point where I won't want to see it again because it really just piques my curiosity. And there's so many layers to it that 
yeah yeah like you could get into and, and it's so surreal and so dreamlike that there's so many uh scenes that uh, you just forget about every yeah. time because it's it's a long very surreal film mm-hmm. yeah and we, yeah when we were watching it too there were moments that i didn't remember at all and even when they <laughs> happened i couldn't yeah. remember that it happened mm-hmm. the first time i watched uh so yeah it, yeah there's a lot to take in and it's definitely one you don't you don't want to be distracted uh watching either yeah you don't want to be on your phone yeah yeah but uh yeah i, I think it was a good uh, a good pairing with <laughs> ace ventura <laughs> Yeah, I feel similarly to how after we finished Mulholland Drive that now that we're done talking about it, I'm kind of like, wow, that was very different than, you know, what we watched slash talked about before. <laughs> yeah, yeah, very different. Uh, it, that That is an interesting double feature, though. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah. I, a, I think, I think that was a Experimental double feature. Yes, very experimental. <laughs> We're yeah. not movie watchers. We're we are artists. I won't. Yes. I won't reiterate that enough. <laughs> yes, we are. We are. Movie Don't make artists, me explain watchers. that again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like the uh, uh, the oh hello John Mulaney and uh, Nick Kroll thing. That uh, Nick Kroll, his character, he says he's a Tony Award viewing uh, <laughs> actor. <laughs> we are Oscar winning viewing actors oh yeah, that's so, good i need to see yeah. that yeah so that was uh yeah that was our first day one f- opening night yeah, opening night of the cinebums film festival uh yeah and then we we there was a, a little bit of a break but then we we watched two more uh after definitely yeah some more some more basketball while we tried to figure <laughs> out what the hell to watch uh (laughs) and uh we went with one that i'm actually i'm really glad that we that we kind of picked randomly yep uh that's marathon man yeah i think it's a very mainstream 70s movie is it a 70s movie yep 76 1976 yeah so i feel like if you lived through the 70s you was you saw marathon man (laughs) yeah and uh yeah i feel like it's one everyone everyone's seen the image of dustin hoffman holding the gun yep um you know towards the towards the lens um it's one yeah i really didn't know anything about the plot or anything you know what it's about but um knew that it's um a big deal (laughs) yeah it, it reminded me of uh um like other films from the 70s such as uh like um the french connection or something like that Mm, where it's just brutally intense yeah definitely and very street gritty very gritty 70s movie and um also directed by john schlesinger who did uh midnight cowboy which kind of kind of had a similar feel to that at times for sure yeah, Schlesing, Schlesinger is someone I I want to get into uh, more because uh, he's got a lot of other movies yeah. I haven't seen, such as like The Falcon and the Snowman um, with Sean Penn, which is uh, also a well-known movie that a lot of people saw. Wow, I I have not heard of The Falcon and the Snowman, but... Uh, i'm totally in on it now that does not mean i don't know anything (laughs) (laughs) but i yes i i I still know what i'm i still know what i'm talking about of course (laughs) (laughs) does it diminish my resume yes of course the falcon in the snow (laughs) yeah very familiar (laughs) (laughs) yeah just cut it cut it recut it with that oh yes yes. (laughs) i'm I'm very familiar with this film yes Mm -hmm. Uh, almost too familiar yeah um but yeah yeah marathon man uh uh it's a graduate history student is unwilling witted wittingly caught in the middle of an uh international conspiracy involving stolen diamonds an exiled nazi war criminal and a rogue uh government agent uh 
so Dustin Hoffman, this film clearly has a lot of family uh, backstory that you don't really know about at all, but kind of learn a little more about in the film. And his mm-hmm. family is very much, um, very much involved in some deep shit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You get, it's kind of a mystery, but you get little bits and pieces here and there. Uh, but then, yeah, I guess you know he's. You can also tell that he is a little disturbed by all that so he is the one in his family who tries to stay away from um from that and kind of keep to himself uh, a bit more and he also doesn't he doesn't even know all that much about yeah you know what went on with his family so it's a mystery yeah he just seems like a very much an obsessive law student that is very much disconnected from all this stuff Mm -hmm. um but then when you find out, you know, Roy Scheider is his brother, right? Yeah. That Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, can't get that information wrong. Um, yeah. <laughs> that he's much more connected than you think. And then I think – and I think there's more of a realization uh, as the movie goes on how as he, conti- as he gets captured more and becomes on the run and gets tortured that he realizes he's um, – how much his family is a part of all of this, all this crime, and um, I think it helps. I think it helps that you don't that he seems like an innocent uh, victim at the beginning because, uh, as he's being attacked, it becomes that much more surprising and thrilling uh, yeah, as people yeah. are just entering his apartment constantly. Um, <laughs> so easily too. Yeah, yeah so easily coming in through quietly. the window. Yeah, you gotta close <laughs> that window, man. And he's just in the bathtub, and it's like you're just like he's just like they're coming, <laughs> yeah. and he's locking. He's, he's got to start locking the door. Locking he's locking the, the bathroom door, and then they just start barging in. It's pretty fucking scary. <laughs> yeah, I, I actually really love that scene too because yeah, it's so dark and oh yeah, you, yeah. I was almost thinking that he, you know, this is just in his head. He's, you know, we've all we've all been home alone before and heard a noise that it's, uh, you know, almost something like that. Um, but it, it's very, it was very confusing in the beginning too because he just seems like this normal sort of weird guy um, who just, you know, he's just running and he gets to his neighborhood. People make fun of him, and then we're we're seeing like yeah, this seemingly like uh, government agent like Roy Schneider and he's in these like important meetings and um, he's being attacked and it's like, okay, well, how does this connect mm-hmm. to this random guy who's yep. just running through yep. uh, New York? Um, and and yeah, I think and then everything it, starts to intertwine more. Yeah. And, I, and it know. connects a lot more than you think. I, I was kind of yeah. thinking that it was going to be like, Oh, it's cause they're all, you know, part of this same place, this fucked up, you know, world or something like that. Uh, but the fact that they ended up being connected and D- Dustin Hoffman gets into the same uh, level of uh, level of conspiracy that Roy Scheider is that um, yeah it just became a lot more of a direct thriller than I thought it was going to be yeah definitely and I think it um, uh, it also works really well too because Dustin Hoffman doesn't all of a sudden become some like super cool like spy you know rogue agent like his brother is like he's still very much the same the same guy who uh is just going crazy because he's getting wrapped into all of this and he had a fairly just normal life before um and and he's not you know he de- he doesn't turn into some like James Bond type character taking out all these you know these Nazis and the guy working for these Nazis um but he's still uh uh, you know he, he perseveres in the end but uh <laughs> <laughs> uh but yeah he he still seems like very much how this character would react to this situation and and how it all plays out and yeah sort of, you know being caught up in the middle of this and then also not knowing who to trust because he doesn't doesn't know anyone uh you know who's coming after him and you know, he doesn't even know that his brother he thought his brother just worked in like the oil industry and mm. um so even you know that it catches him off guard how uh you know his brother is all of a sudden being attacked yeah and then in the too. finale as he's uh he's got the villain he's got he's pointing a gun at the the criminal mastermind 
he ends up admitting he's like you know yeah my uh he ends up kind of admitting that he knows his like father was involved with all the diamonds and stuff like that and Mm -hmm. he's like your father was weak (laughs) (laughs) yeah so it's a it's a really um a very interesting layered arc for the character and uh uh, Dustin Hoffman just uh, shows again why he was uh, the most popular actor back in the day. For sure, yeah. And uh, uh, we didn't even mention Laurence Olivier is in this uh, as well, who I think uh, is a great evil Nazi villain. <laughs> yeah. Uh, he's almost like, he's almost like a Bond uh, a Bond villain in, in yeah. here, but uh, yeah, yeah, I thought he was a great villain, and especially in the scene where. They're you know interrogating Dustin Hoffman. Uh, um, thought it was very intense and mm-hmm. uh, terrifying. Yeah, yeah. They just keep fucking with the guy's teeth. There's a lot of fucking with yeah. teeth in this film. Yeah, <laughs> yeah a lot of it, uh, and a, a lot more twists and turns than I uh, yeah than I thought too. A you lot know, more uh, edge on the seat than you, you think you'd be. It's definitely a top tier yeah. edge of your seat uh, movie. Yeah. Yeah, and while very a lot great of great 70s thriller. Yeah. yeah, and a lot while a lot of 70s movies are very much they're a little more art housey and they're kind of taking from, you know, like De Palma's like taking from Hitchcock and you know, mm-hmm. all the other like directors are, you know, somewhat taking from classic Hollywood and the French New Wave. This movie is very much a um a piece of just e- entertainment for uh, you know, outside of the like the way it depicts gritty streets i felt this very much was like a hollywood piece of entertainment uh yeah that like you know people were rushing to the theaters to see uh so i liked that i liked how it was different like that yeah definitely yeah yeah it wasn't um yeah i don't know it really uh kind of exceeded my expectations because i didn't know yeah i didn't know what to expect going into it uh but yeah now i've I feel the same way about uh, Midnight Cowboy too, which I didn't really know what to expect going into it, and uh, um, yeah, just another Schlesinger movie that uh, sort of blew me away. So yeah, yeah, I'm 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 excited to uh, to catch the Falcon and the Snowball, uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, movie that I've been uh, I've known so much about for I've so long. I've been dying to see it forever. So I'm finally just gonna sit down and you know what, John, you just gotta you just gotta watch this. You movie. know what? I'm sure it's on HBO Max. Oh, I would not be, be surprised. What isn't on HBO Max these days? You know. <laughs> um. Okay. So that was three of four. Three of four. And uh yes, yeah, so the uh We'll end it strong. <laughs> let's end it yeah, let's end it on a high note Definitely here. Definitely end it on a high note here. With uh with a best our only best picture winner of the film yeah. festival. <laughs> we had to include an award winner in here, yeah, with all these just um subpar movies that we watched the rest of the film festival. We had to for our final night we had to throw in a best picture winner. And that's driving Miss Daisy. Uh yeah, and <laughs> <laughs> so I was talking to this uh talking to my uh parents about this movie the next day, and my dad was doing a really funny just Morgan Freeman impression. He's like, <laughs> Miss Daisy, what are you doing, Miss Daisy? And uh, that is really this whole movie. Yeah, <laughs> if you it's just a lot of a lot of thick Southern accents, a lot of Morgan Freeman going like. Yeah. Miss Daisy, you ain't Aww. you ain't wet that bad. <laughs> no, you was rich, Miss Daisy. You ain't that bad, Miss Daisy. You a fine, you a fine woman. You nice. <sighs> You're kind. You, and it's like yeah, and she, it's like <laughs> no, no, she's awful. <laughs> stop. Yeah, being no, so, she's really annoying. Stop yeah. being so nice to her. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Why? Yeah, why? Why do you like Miss Daisy so much, Morgan Freeman? What, <laughs> what is appealing about her redeeming it all? Yeah, she's a very annoying old yeah. lady. Yep. Uh, and, and you know, for the first half of the movie, I thought uh, Morgan Freeman's character's name was Hulk Hogan. I could not understand through their <laughs> accents what they were saying. Yeah. yeah apparently, it's Hoke. Um. So. For yeah. this movie, I think 
all like problematic um racism aside <laughs> take it all away i still think this movie just is not very good outside of all those problems and i don't think it really has anything going on mainly because uh, miss daisy is very irredeemable and unlikable and there's no reason to feel bad for her in any way no, Miss Daisy um, sucks ass. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> other than yeah, she's just she like she's obviously she's lonely, but other than that, it's like who gives a shit? And it's clearly like she's clearly bringing it on herself. Like I know that like there are lonely old women out there, but like if you're just an <laughs> asshole one, I don't ca- really care. Lonely old women, we're talking to you. We know you're out there. <laughs> <laughs> Hit us up though. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh <laughs> hit us up. <laughs> I I don't really uh I just didn't really care at all. And like we said, we did not get the appeal of Miss Daisy. Yeah, and I just feel like the the only reason this is uh, you know, a very well-known movie is cuz it won best picture because it is like the most Oscar baity type of movie it you can is. have, especially yeah. in 1989. Yeah. yeah, it's just like, I don't know, for, for mainstream audiences, I can see how they're like, wow, how touching. Like, yeah. she was so, she hated him for so long, but then he became her best friend. It's like, yeah, yeah I guess. Yeah, and it's just that, yeah, that stupid line in the end where she's like, Hoke is my best friend. And it's like, <laughs> oh, why? Hoke. You're my only friend. It's like, yeah, you guys have really had so many good moments. Like when she taught him how to read, but was like totally rude to him about it. When she was like, I taught kids dumber than nails how to read. And it's like, yeah. asshole. <laughs> yeah. And it's, uh, but then he, he doesn't care at all. He's like, oh, she's so nice. She's like super rude to <laughs> yeah. me. But then he's just so great. He's just so grateful, uh, yeah. really. And he's just unfazed and i think that's one of the only reasons this movie uh gained such wide appeal is because morgan freeman as usual is super likable and yeah uh takes all of her shit um and it's just filled with so many just little southern sayings that it it just it really put me off (laughs) i can't even think of them now but there's something that they would say like yes um like all the time it's just like they fit in they try to fit in all these like stereotypical little yeah. southern sayings from yeah. back in the day and like the shittiest thing uh he does she does to him is when she just straight up goes to see martin luther king and leaves him in the car oh yeah <laughs> like that's so shitty and it's supposed to be a moment where um i don't know they're like i like i i think that is <laughs> you could say is the rising action of the movie if you could call that there is any rising action in the movie like the peak of conflict in this movie is when yeah. uh she's like miss daisy why didn't you ask me if uh you if you wanted me to go why didn't you ask me earlier and it's just like it is like yeah yeah why did she do that yeah. and um the old like the rising action is legit that yeah he has to wait in the car and she sits in there and kind of feels bad about not letting him in which yeah it's just kind of a it's kind of a weak uh story beat for sure and you just kind of hate her more because of it yeah exactly then it's like oh my or are we supposed to be like oh isn't that isn't that nice that this old white lady (laughs) said you know i like martin luther they're like in the car yeah, she's like yeah. i like martin luther king jr i think she i think he has a lot of great ideas <laughs> yeah and then then yeah and then the academy's like wow this broke new ground we had yeah an old yeah. white lady saying she liked yeah. martin luther king jr oh my god it's yeah. just there's no character growth throughout any of this for anybody no. not more morgan not morgan freeman he stays the same in the beginning as he was at the end um yeah it felt yeah, yeah it, the movie felt the exact same way the whole time and, and it, the movie thinks that there's a lot more meaning in their relationship than there actually is it's very hot it's ve- much more hollow than the movie thinks it is and a lot mm-hmm. more one note than it thinks it is yeah and i, I feel like it's almost like insulting to uh to, to black people too i'm not a black person so i can't say whether or not they'd be insulted but 
just with how uh, I feel like how obvious it tried to make uh, Morgan Freeman seem like uh, you know a normal person for this time too, like bringing up, oh yeah, my my all my kids are off doing all these great things, uh, as if we're supposed to expect that you know Morgan Freeman is just this single guy who doesn't have anything going for him. He's like out of luck, and that he wouldn't have kids that uh, you know are out doing things. And he's like, oh yeah, my granddaughter did this, and like at the end he's uh he's like this he's like doing really well and uh he's just this nice normal old guy but but almost treat, treating the audience as if we're supposed to expect that he is just this pathetic black man that can't read and um just has nothing going for him until he meets miss daisy and she <laughs> yeah she changes his life somehow when yeah really, he's, a, he's doing a way, fine in a way yeah uh yeah you're right that that he that this job is actually benefiting him a lot you know mm-hmm. yeah i don't know it <laughs> yeah, yeah and it, there, it really there, felt there like should the same. there really should be more moments in it where like the the, the pee scene where he's just like <laughs> there should be a lot more moments of just strength of morgan freeman's character where where he's like you know miss daisy i am a man and i'm going to pee <laughs> you know like, like there should like the, that's one of the only times where he's just like i'm not taking this yeah, <laughs> like i right. have some self-respect and it is actually i i it's a good moment but there's there's so much others where he's just yeah he's just doing all of everything she says yeah and and they of course slipped in that uh classic trope of the cops coming by to to question what this black boy is doing with this old white woman the amount of yeah. times we have seen that scene at this point yeah it's yeah, yeah and they straight up say what is what is a jew doing with an with an n-word they straight up yeah just they, say yeah that, that line oh, it's yeah so it's like yeah. what is that <laughs> yeah it's like what uh, movie? What world is this movie in? Like, I, I get it's the deeps. I get it's the deep south, but they also but, say yeah. they also say Jew as in to say like, oh man, I feel really bad for Miss Daisy too because she's a she's oppressed too, just as much as him. It's like no, uh, yeah. she has a bunch of African Americans. She has like ten African Americans working in her house. Yeah, to do what? Like, what does she need help with? She, she doesn't and do she anything, tre- and she treats them all like shit yeah she just yells at them and yeah Uh. so so there there's one scene that i want to talk about where uh we both laughed at um it's a scene it's just when they're on that drive and it's kind of a like road trip uh montage with like meaningful music where um the movie's definitely just like trying to let that do the work where you know let yeah. let you know i don't know it's like it's like their drive is supposed to be with miss day with morgan freeman in the front seat driving and miss daisy in the back seat um as they go across whatever the alabama countryside um it's that it's supposed to be meaningful with this meaningful road trip music and i think we both laughed during that uh part because it, there isn't anything to take away from that like like i said with all you take all the racism aside out of this movie there is nothing going on at all no, like that yeah. the um that the movie thinks it is and it reminds me of um say watching uh todd phillips's joker and there are a lot of scenes where they hold on something and then play some music and expect that oh yeah this is you know it's like this is supposed to be a meaningful you know moment and just like that drive the drive the drive in driving miss daisy the road trip it's like we were both like yeah clearly there's nothing going on it's just a man driving an old lady across the country this is like actually pretty pretty boring (laughs) yeah yeah. there's nothing of value they're not saying anything and the movie plays like a score han zimmer actually scores this film and they they'll bring in his score in moments to be like oh this is very meaningful and feel good and it's like there's really nothing happening here at all this is very hollow yeah, it was almost more confusing than Mulholland Drive because there's so many times where I I, I think yeah the, it, the movie is trying to portray that something important 
or meaningful is going on when I, I can't figure out what that is. What is what is like meaningful or uh, actually a value here? And yeah, it just it's a, yeah, it seems very hollow, dull, and just like it. It's just another best picture kind of travesty. Very simpleton, uh, yeah, story trying to say something about about race and two unlikely friends. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and then you would think that, okay, well, like you know, this is 1989. I'm glad, uh, you know, decades have gone by and we're past this. But then Green Book wins. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I just like I'm trying to not attack this movie for the obvious like race stuff because I think it's, um, I think that's an overdone thing today mm-hmm. especially in today's day and age and i i i want to i'm i want to like show that this movie's just bad yeah <laughs> in general without racism because i think a lot of the people that will be like that would defend this movie be like oh it's just because you know of the time you know where we live in a sensitive time period blah mm-hmm. blah blah so that's why it's like no driving miss daisy just kind of sucks yeah you know even if morgan if morgan freeman was white it would be it would be just as bad no yeah that's a good point it's definitely it's definitely not because of the times yeah it's uh there's nothing but at the same time it is very offensive (laughs) to black people yeah yeah yeah, you can't uh yeah you can't can't dismiss that for sure but it's yeah there's no there's nothing to care about there's no conflict there's yeah it's a it is just the epitome of an oscar bait uh movie and i guess that's I mean that's why it's so well known and so and so popular but uh I don't I don't see how anyone can just enjoy this movie and uh and think that this you know <laughs> this is this is a movie that you would ever own or rewatch uh yeah because you go to the movies yeah. to to see something to be maybe challenged or to feel something and experience something and I don't know how you can f- feel any sort of emotions from this monotone monotone movie yeah yeah who made this movie <laughs> bruce i kind of beresford who has also this is the only movie of his i've seen he's also directed double jeopardy breaker morant um now my letterbox isn't loading uh tender mercies mr church yeah i haven't i haven't seen any of these movies um and honestly he's not he doesn't seem like a household name to me maybe maybe i don't know enough um but uh yeah and uh it was written by the same guy who wrote mystic pizza so (laughs) (laughs) mystic pizza so shocking that uh that we didn't like this movie more i do um i did enjoy seeing uh um you know like one of those best picture winners where you're like how you know yeah right uh i've seen a couple of those but not a lot like one of those to me since we're on the subject one of those to me is that movie from it's like oh four uh crash Crash, yeah that's like the one everyone brings up is like the that's also that's also a travesty uh it's this it's the second racist movie to win (laughs) best picture that i know of (laughs) yeah it's always a racist movie those are always the ones that (laughs) yeah for some reason man for some reason then then they they're like oh it's okay parasite can win this year so we're 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 uh we're not we're not racist. racist guys we're pretty woke yeah yeah so I actually I really loved uh, Ricky Gervais's Golden Globes monologue this year, where he just told, he's just straight up told people to leave your, your agendas out of your speech because you're in no place to lecture the public, on anything. <laughs> yeah, for and, sure. Uh, yeah, for yeah, sure. Yeah, you can go back and yeah, Driving Miss Daisy, is another one of those movies where you can tell Hollywood. That's that. that's right, Joaquin Phoenix. You need to chill. Yeah. <laughs> slow your Calm roll down on those speeches whatever what was he talking about milk or he talked about something so specific and and weird yeah <laughs> Joaquin goes a little a little too hard uh with his uh, with his activism or whatever in his speeches i mean don't get me wrong those a lot of the hollywood uh award speeches do make you feel a little better about the world but mm-hmm. 
Joaquin. Joaquin is a little much. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah, I, that was that was how we finished off the uh, the film festival. Yep. Finished the first annual film festival strong. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, but hopefully we'll be doing more uh, <laughs> more film festival things uh, in the future. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll see. Yeah. Uh, yeah, there's gonna be a a bit of a podcast hiatus coming up, yeah. but uh, after that we'll be back and uh, doing a lot more. Uh, still got to wrap up the Steven Spielberg uh, series. Um, mm-hmm. The Spielberg Summer series is gonna uh, end with a couple, maybe one or two Spielberg Fall episodes. Yeah. Uh, but we'll wrap it. We'll wrap it up nicely, and uh, yeah, we'll have a lot more to do after that. Yeah, we'll kick off Fall with a bit more, with with just our wrap up of Spielberg, and uh, yeah, then we'll get into more. But yeah, we're, we're we'll take a little hiatus here. Uh, Luke and I are not uh, gonna be speaking to each other for a while. This is we we need this break. So uh, we'll see some. Yep. Uh, you'll see some maybe podcasts from uh, a day gone by that we'll repost. Yeah, it's gonna be our it's it's rerun season yeah. on, <laughs> on the pod. Yeah, our summer reruns. So uh, yeah, stay tuned for those. If you missed some of our past episodes and they're too far back for you to scroll, then uh, yeah, we'll you'll, we'll uh, we'll be reposting some of those. So keep an eye out for that. 